I guess I've always felt, even though I've been living here longer than I've lived anywhere in my life, I've invested more here than I've invested anywhere. My future is here, there's no doubt about that. I still sense that there's a little tiny bit of, well, well that people see me as foreign. Welcome to I Am An Immigrant, the podcast about people who have come to the UK from somewhere else. I'm your host, Christine Bacon, and yes, dear listener, I am an immigrant. This week, I speak with Lisa Carruccio Kame. Lisa is an actor who I've worked with on a number of occasions and who lives in the same area of Hackney in London where I live. She's the daughter of two journalists and was born in Hong Kong. She's lived in Brazil, Canada, the United States, and the UK. We chatted about being perceived as foreign, what has led Lisa to move from place to place, and her dreams, in which she argues publicly with former Home Secretary and Prime Minister. Theresa May. Enjoy. My name is Lisa Carucho Kame and I am an immigrant. Hello, Lisa. Hi. <laughs> and thank you for hosting me in your home. Beautiful place. Thank I'm you. Just, I'm just actually looking around now because <laughs> we've just been chatting about banana bread for <laughs> the first 10 minutes. It really does reflect your personality, actually. Okay. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. I guess it's kind of a jumble <laughs> of things. Well, it's kind of, it's the warmth and the, uh, the welcome. You feel welcome here. They're just warm, earthy colours. I don't know. Oh, good. Well, thank you. <laughs> we are here to talk about you being an immigrant. You don't have like a typical immigration story, do you? Well, no, I guess when you first asked me about being an immigrant, I think the thing that's sometimes tricky for me to answer is that I don't feel like I come from one place. And I mean, I know a lot of people have parents from different countries or different parts of the world, but... With me, yes, my parents are from very different places, but I also grew up in many different countries. So I don't really know, <laughs> I don't really know where I would define as one place that I'm from. So when people ask you, where are you from? What do you say? Well, yeah, it depends on the context of right. the conversation. Um, I tend to say I'm Canadian because that's what people will immediately understand and acknowledge because of my accent. I tend to sometimes say also, you know, I'm half Canadian, half Brazilian, because that's the, the quick answer. And so your parents were immigrants as well? My parents were immigrants, yeah, I mean, to the UK eventually, but um, my father was Anglo-Canadian, so he was born in London, but mainly raised in Canada. And my mom is Brazilian, born and raised. And how did they meet? They met, the, they were both journalists, and they were war correspondents at one point. So they met in Iran during the revolution in 1979. Amazing. They must <laughs> have stories. Yeah, they've got so many stories. It's endless, their stories. I mean, when they met in Iran, they were a group of journalists who were, what's the word, were they quarantined in a hotel? So they were there for days and days on end, and there were foreign correspondents from all over the world. And they met in the bar while my mom was playing piano, singing a song. That's, what song? I don't remember. Oh! I don't remember. She's going to kill me if she hears this. You played your wedding. <laughs> um, I think it was a Brazilian song. Um, and then your mum eventually moved to Canada. Is that right? Eventually. But at that time, she was based in Italy. She was based in Rome. And when they met in Tehran, they then started traveling around the Middle East and eventually settled in Asia together in Hong Kong, which okay. is where I was born. I have no no memory of it because I left before I was a year old. So okay, did you spend your f like formative years uh, in Canada or I spent the 
the largest chunk of my childhood in Canada. Okay. Which was eight years. Oh, that's it. Mm-hmm. And then? And then, so that was from when I was eight until I was 16. And then we moved to the UK as a family when I was 16. Mm-hmm. But before that, we left Hong Kong when I was a baby. We went to Brazil. We were in Rio for three years. Then we moved to Italy. We were in Rome for four years. And then we moved to Canada. And then you came back to the UK. No, you left the UK again, didn't you? I left the UK <laughs> just because I couldn't stay put. Um, I left the UK when I was 19, 18, 19, yeah, to go to New York, to go to drama school. And so do you feel an affiliation with any of those places? Do you feel yeah, like... hugely. But I guess, I mean, I feel a huge affiliation with New York because that's kind of when I became an adult, I suppose. I'd be, you know... Um, those, those were hugely formative years, of course. It was the first time I really stepped that far away from home. And I feel an affiliation to Canada, even though I don't have much connection to it anymore. It's been a couple of years since I've been there. I have no family left there. I have friends, but there isn't something necessarily drawing me back very often. And so all of these moves in your childhood, what effect do you think that had on you? The negative was that it was hard. I don't remember it being hard when I was young, even though my mom claims that I complained a lot. I remember it being harder, you know, when I was a teenager. I remember that being tricky. Why is that? Because you were being forced to leave your little life behind. And it's little now in retrospect, but at the time it was your life, you know, and it was your, your, your social group and your friends and yeah. your community. Yeah, so that wasn't easy. And did you, I mean, do you feel... Like you've got an outsider status a lot of the time? Yeah, I do. Even though it's a funny one. Like I don't feel, I don't feel like I am an outsider, but I think other people feel like I'm an outsider. What makes you think that? Just a feeling. I have an accent. I I don't feel discriminated against. It's not that, but I feel, I feel, I guess I've always felt, even though I've been living here longer than I've lived anywhere in my life. I've invested more here than I've invested anywhere. My future is here. There's no doubt about that. I still sense that there's a little tiny bit of, well, well, that that, that people see me as foreign, because I am. Tell me about you and how you became an actor. God, I don't know. And I I think that that spark kind of happened when I moved to London. Like I I wasn't one of these kids that was always in sort of theater groups and stage school. I never, I mean, I dabbled in it, but I wasn't, I never took it that seriously. And it was, I was 16 when I moved to London. I had an acting teacher at the school that I was at who kind of encouraged me and asked me if I was interested and asked me to audition for some things. And then I took the initiative and decided to direct a play at my school. And then I thought, oh my God, maybe I should just give this a go. It had been a sort of like dormant kind of interest, I think. It's not that I had a sheltered upbringing or 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 that I had a closed upbringing in any way, but being in London really kind of opened th- opened my eyes. I don't know, in, in a kind of metaphorical way, I kind of thought, oh, I feel like I can be anything now. And I was quite young. I think London do- does that to you. It does have that effect, do doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, being from Australia, I always felt like we were sort of, well, we are. In Australia, you are an island in the middle of, a big island in the, yeah. in the middle of the sea. But here, it does feel like you're connected, like there are possibilities beyond the UK, even if you're in the UK. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. feel like, I felt like I was connected to the world in a, in a very different way than, than when I lived in Australia. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, Canada is huge 
and we lived in Toronto and we lived in Montreal. But as soon as we moved to London, it, as much as Toronto was a big city, the last city I was in before here, it's incomparable. And London is a world city. People are from everywhere here. Yes, it's England. It's absolutely England and that there's no getting away from that. <laughs> but it is um, because of Europe, because of, of the proximity of things. That was something that I wasn't used to. I think Canada and Australia have a similar thing going on. So so acting, your interests were sparked here, you started getting involved. And then what, how did it progress? So then rather than applying to universities and stuff, I decided to wait a year. I went back to Brazil for a few months, um, traveled around a little bit and did some English teaching and saw my grandmother and saw some family members in different cities in the country. And then I did a foundation course at the Oxford School of Drama. So I left home when I was 17. I loved it. And is that when you went, yeah? Yeah, definitely. And have you looked back since? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't regret any choices I made. I've definitely, at this stage in my life, wondered if, if I had chosen to do something else, where would I be? What, would, what might that be? What would I be doing? But I, I haven't regretted it. None of it. Everyone on the foundation course, I remember we were all applying for drama schools. And I applied for one school outside of the UK, which was a school in New York. I also had a boyfriend in New York at the time, but like I blocked that out <laughs> as though that had any influence. But, um, but I love the school. It was a university, it was at NYU. And I think the main thing that drew me there was that I wanted to do a conservatory training program, but I also wanted to go to university. And it felt like if I'd stayed in the UK, as good as the drama schools were, it was like one or the other. You either did a three-year course at a drama school if I, if I got in, or I did a university degree and then went on to do drama school. And I didn't want to do both. I wanted to do both at the same time. And Tisch School of the Arts at NYU offered me that. That was how long? Four years. Yeah. Must be exciting. Yeah. It was bonkers and exciting and great. And did you break up with your boyfriend? I did, yes. <laughs> how long way, did before, way before I moved there. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So he might have got you there after all, but... He served his purpose. Yeah. <laughs> so describe that time, that four years. It was intense. It was really intense. We were living downtown Manhattan for most of it. I was in the conservatory three days a week and then at the university studying everything that I had any interest in studying for two days of the week. And it was great. I had a student visa in New York. I had a choice really of where I could legally live afterwards unless I tried to stay in New York. I could go back to Canada, which I didn't feel I wanted to do. I felt very removed from that already. Or I could come back to London. And I spent a year in New York after I graduated, living, working, auditioning, doing some plays, doing everything that I could do. And then eventually, rather than sort of battling to stay, I decided to come back. And there was a bunch of reasons for that. You had a boyfriend here. <laughs> oh my God, I did. <laughs> I did. I know. But um, <laughs> he's also no longer in the picture. <laughs> he served his purpose. <laughs> Um, so you came back to London. And, yeah. Well, that's interesting because it is a visa-related story, really, isn't it? It is. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, I had roots here already. My family wasn't here anymore. My parents had left. But I had a community already from the friends I'd made at, on the foundation course and my summers spent back here. So I felt like London was the place I wanted to be an actor. London is so full of stuff. Like, I think London has everything that you might be interested in, you could find it here. It's so plentiful what you, what you can take from it. 
in, not just in terms of theater and arts and stuff, but like everything. I think everything is here if you want it in London. It's expensive, but it's here. <laughs> oh, yeah. And what about, what about the UK in general? Do you ever think in, that, in those terms or, is, or are you very much... Yeah, I do. And I think, I think, you know, when I, even though the political situation here is also leaves, leaves one frustrated, um, in comparison, you know, and I, it's similar to what I remember in Canada, like it's, it's pretty stable. Yes. Okay. There's corruption and there's all kinds of things that we don't like going on. But I mean, in relation to what's happening in other parts of the world, I feel safe here. There's, as unhappy as I might might be with the government at a given time, like I feel supported here enough. There is a brilliant NHS here, which is on its knees at the moment, but still like these things are hugely important. And it, these are the reasons I moved back to London. You know, like I have a very unstable career. I'm self-employed. There are stable things in this, in this country's structure that I've always felt supported actually and it was also the boyfriend and I guess as you said your options were because you, you have a British passport yes yeah, I do. so yeah. that you know you could come back here or hustle your way to a green card or something yeah, yeah. also it was a, the climate in New York like you know god now it seems like a joke in comparison but Bush got re-elected he got re-elected after Iraq after everything and I felt like I just didn't want to be there I, I loved New York and I felt like a New Yorker after all the years that I was there, but I just didn't want to be in America anymore. I guess as an actor who's yeah. not English, did you have that thought process of how is it going to yeah, work? Yeah. So how has it worked? It's hard. It's really hard, actually. And I mean, I talk about this all the time now. I mean, it's been over a decade that I've been here working. And once I started getting my foot on the ladder and got my first agent and got my first job and stuff things got a bit easier but it was always this thing of like I'm foreign when I would tell my Brazilian family that they would laugh and they'd be like what do you mean you're foreign you're not foreign there and I'd say well I am yeah <laughs> do you hear my accent I know. <laughs> they, that's you know so there's that and I think like when I started working a lot of my work was sort of foreign plays or foreign characters which worked in my favor for many years. And then recently, I think things have changed in the industry. I mean, this is going into the industry perhaps a bit too much, but I used to find things a little bit more malleable. Okay, I'm half Brazilian. I'm half Canadian. I pass as American. I pass as Latin American. I pass as Mediterranean. I speak a few languages so I can pass as this, that, and the other. Even I got cast in Middle Eastern roles quite a lot, you know. And, and now I think casting is much more specific and they want, they want a very specific thing. And they're less interested in how well you can act and how well you can pull that off. I think authenticity is much more important now than it perhaps it used to be when I started here. And so have you been told by directors and casting agents and stuff, oh, no, you can play an English role. What are you talking about? Yeah. And equally, I have played English roles by directors who know me and trust me and mm. have cast me. But most roles here are English. Yeah. yeah I'm in England. And I, I think it's gotten harder as I've gotten a little bit older, actually. I've, it's gotten harder to to find what my place is. I mean, I remember there was a period of time where most of my friends weren't working. I mean, I, I'm talking about English actresses of similar age to me, where everyone seemed to be struggling to work. And I was working, but I was playing foreign parts. And I was, I was doing plays that were set in other countries. And I was doing American plays. It definitely worked to my advantage sometime. I just feel that now it's like, well, well, what am I? You know, when I audition for Latin American, sometimes I get the part and sometimes they go, oh, but she's kind of, she's too white. 
Or sometimes when they want an American, they're like, oh, but she's not, she doesn't quite look, have an American look. And you think, well, what is that? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what, what is that really? <laughs> At this point in my life, strangely, I'm feeling a little bit, it's, it's kind of a contradiction because I feel really settled here and I feel really at home here, but I feel like the industry doesn't quite know what to do with me. Hi everyone, just a quick plug. For those listeners based in London, my theatre company Ice and Fire has announced a new production this week and it's open for bookings. Links are in the show notes. It was supposed to be on around a year and a half ago, but like so many other shows, COVID has kept it on hold until now. It's called We Like to Move It, Move It and... As the title would suggest, it's a fun and accessible examination of the reasons most of us think immigration controls are necessary. The cast, director and writers are all first-generation immigrants, very in tune with this podcast. It's going to be on at various venues, including community spaces, and the ticket prices are tiered, so it suits all budgets. Do have a look, follow us on social media for updates and behind-the-scenes stuff, and please come and see it and say hello. Okay, back to Lisa. So... You built a life. Yeah, I mean, I I'm married. I'm yeah. I'm things are happening that. So tell us about tell us about the bloke, the bloke, <laughs> the bloke that got to stay. Um, How did that happen, Phil? We met through a mutual actor friend of ours, someone who I did that foundation course with twenty years ago now. Wow. God, yeah. So through Phil, you have seen other parts of the UK because he's yeah his family are from. They're from Bolton up north. Bolton. Yeah. Because before that, you'd been a quite a London-centric person. Yeah. Kind of like me. I don't really know the rest <laughs> of the country at all. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd seen other parts of England before that, working and touring, and you get to see so, so much of England when you go on tour. But um, it was funny because Phil reminded me that something he said to me when he first brought me home, the first time he took me up north to meet his family and stuff. And he said it was the first time that he realized I was foreign or the first time that I seemed foreign to him. Because in London, I didn't seem Everybody's for- foreign. foreign. Yeah, but, it, but they're very, you know, it's like three generations from uh, one place and everyone's kind of near there for the most part. Do you see yourself as an old lady living here? <laughs> Octogenar- Octogenarian Lisa? Oh my God. Um, Walking around Hackney? <laughs> <laughs> um, I've never thought about it, I guess. Yeah, actually. I know a lot of like cooler, older people that I think, yeah, I'd be happy if I turned out a bit like that. (laughs) Yeah. um, After your dad died, Mm -hmm. did you feel differently about living here? Because your mum's not here, is she? She doesn't live here. No. Did that make you think again about living here? Yeah. So my dad was born here and loved London. He's actually, we buried his ashes here even though he died in Rome, where he was the last place he lived, I made the decision to kind of bring his ashes back here and bury him here. And that just felt right. Yeah, I mean, since he's been gone, the one thing that I think has been quite big for me has been a sense of roots and not having (laughs) and not knowing where those roots should, should, should find themselves. So hugely in some way, I feel like London, I feel like London is right for me. Has your mum intimated, I want you to be with me? Like, does she do that or? I, I intimate to her, okay. <laughs> I want you to come back. Um, she lives in Italy, so she's just outside of Rome, still in the house where my parents lived until my dad died. And she has a life there and everything, but she spends a lot of time here with me. 
I'd like her to come back. But equally, she's been living in Italy longer than she's lived anywhere in her life, which is, I think, about 15 years now. So she's a real she's nomad a super also. Immigrant. Yeah. Um, oh, she is immigrant like through and through, you know. She hasn't lived back in Brazil since for many, many years. So she, we have Italy. Like Italy is a home away from home and has been for many years and was once home. Yeah, she can't make up her mind. Really, She wants it all. Good for her. I know. Yeah. I know. Okay, so tell me about the Theresa May thing. Yeah, it was just like the one thing that made me so furious. And that was when I started to feel this kind of thumbs down feeling about being in the UK, even though that's changed because I know a lot of people don't feel that way. When she made that comment about um, if you are a citizen of the world, you are a citizen of nowhere, I found that hugely offensive, like hugely offensive, because A, it implies that you can't feel, never mind like having those citizenships, but you can't feel that you have different homes in different parts of the world, which is, which is I think is backwards and absurd. But also it kind of implies that like if you do have dual nationality or you are a citizen of different countries or you're mixed, whatever it is, that you aren't invested in this country, which is what I find really offensive. Because when I try and work out what home is to me, well, I'm invested here, like as in not just for my own life, but the politics I follow are are here more than, much more than in Canada, much more than in Brazil even, like it's here. The details that I pay attention to what our government is doing or is it's all here. I pay my taxes here. I care about the social services here more than I do anywhere else in the world. So that I found really, really frustrating. I've, I've had like dreams where I have this conversation in public with her <laughs> and say these things to her, you know, because I find it really, it just rubs me the wrong way. I find it really offensive. And how does she react in these dreams? <laughs> she loses the argument. <laughs> Right on. In my imagination. Right on. And is this the first place you've had a cat? Of my own, yeah. yes, London, yeah. Yeah. How long have you had the, had the cat? He's almost 10. Wow. I know. Yeah, he'll be 10 in sort of around January, February. What's his name? Vinny. Vinny. Yeah, he's a stray and he's a mutt like me. Yeah. Don't know <laughs> um, where he's from. Don't know where he's from. Somewhere <laughs> on the streets of East London, he was found, you know, so um, we took him in. Which, <laughs> yeah. Look at that model citizen. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for the banana bread. Oh, God. <laughs> it has no sugar. It has, oh, God. It has no sugar, no wheat. Fat. <laughs> no wheat, no wheat. No wheat. But, um, you know. We ate it. We ate it. It had, it had calories. Um, thanks, Lisa. You're welcome. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Lisa. It was so nice listening back to that chat. I recorded it quite a while ago now. Lisa and her partner, Phil, have since had a beautiful baby girl who I'm guessing will be pleased to call herself a citizen of the world one day. Next week is the last episode in this season and will feature one of the finalists of the recent series of The Great British Sewing Bee on BBC, if anyone watched that. It is the very talented, very lovely Raph from France. You have been listening to I Am an Immigrant, produced by me, Christine Bacon, and edited by Helen Clapp. It is supported by the Paul Hamlin Foundation and is an Ice and Fire Theatre production. Thanks for listening and catch you next time. Mm-hmm.